0: So I look at my life and say, well, there's a lot of things that I've done in my life that I'm proud of. Uh, But you know what? Over the span of my life, there's a lot of things that I've done that I'm not proud of, and I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) If you want to know, we can swap it. I'll tell you one thing I'm not proud of. You can tell me. We'll go back and forth. you know our, our passage today kind of seems to focus a little bit on that negative side of that past of the things of what my life used to be like and and gives you to the point of where my life is going and what was it that made that difference so i for uh you know if you think about your life you know you, you've got the whole gamut of things that you're you're happy about and things that you're not happy about um but i want you to recognize that in spite of all that it can change You know God doesn't say you have to be stuck in your sin forever your past doesn't have to follow you wherever you go it can be wiped clean and that's what Jesus did he came to the cross to wipe our slate clean and to give us eternal life so we're gonna start with what we were now I want you to, to recognize this is what your life was like before Jesus Paul's writing to the Saints in Ephesus those who are trusting Jesus as their Savior and set aside for the whole purpose of God and he's he's not trying to rub their noses in it and say, hey, this is what you did wrong, you awful evil sinners, because he lumps himself in with this in verse 3 and says, I was in the same boat you are. And so the words that Paul is telling to the Ephesians, he could tell to you in here and say, this is what you were, but this is what you are now, and this is the difference. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. So Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. It says as for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the ruler and of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. He says, All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its its thoughts and desires. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of God's wrath. Paul says, You were there. You guys were these kinds of people. And Paul, like I said, he's not trying to rub their faces in it, because he says, I was that kind of person. And so here, me in in 2022, I'm looking at a bunch of people, and I'm looking and saying, you, and Plavna, sitting in this church today, this is what you were. But you know, they always say, if you're pointing one finger forward, you're pointing four fingers backwards, right? So I'm pointing four at me and saying, Josh, this is what you were. You are dead in your transgressions and sins. Now you guys understand the word dead, right? In a physical sense, it means you're dead. A couple weeks ago, Weston went hunting with Darren. He got this elk. I'm pretty sure they're just posing, right? Weston talked to this elk and said, hey, you just pose with me and we're gonna have this really awesome picture. No, that's a dead elk, right? It was shot. Well, that Sunday during church, we prayed for Nick. We prayed for nick during church to to shoot an elk and then after church nicole ran around showing off these cool pictures hey look what nick did he got his elk that animal is not alive it is a dead elk and then on tuesday night apparently we got some hunters in the building right tegan he got himself an elk and it's not i mean you see right there you see this is blood Sorry if that grosses you out, but that's what that is. It's a dead animal. You guys understand the word dead. These Right now they're cut up. They're in the freezer. Some are getting eaten because they are not alive anymore. And as you look at these animals that are dead, they're helpless. They can do absolutely nothing about their current condition. And Paul says, this is what you were. You were dead in your transgressions and sins. And, and Paul's not saying that they are physically dead. Because they're moving around. He's writing this active letter to these people. He says that this is how you demonstrated that you were dead. You lived among them, th- among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of your sinful nature, following its desires and thoughts. And because of that, we were, nature's, we were by nature objects of God's wrath. We understand cravings. You know, I got this desire inside myself that I want to satisfy. I have an itch. I'm going to itch. I want to see it. I'm going to look. I want to taste it. I'm going to eat it. I want to steal it. I'm going to take it. I want that for myself. It's a craving. You know, some people crave coughing. Coughing? Coffee. Some people crave basketball. I still don't understand that one. Some people crave meat. Right? We are just carnivores at the core. You know, and, and we think about the way we crave coffee and basketball and meat. People crave this sin or that sin or that sin. And we can look and say, well, I don't crave what Steve craves. So I, my craving must not be as bad. Or I don't crave what Sharon craves. And it's not really that bad. But you know what? If you, the James 2 tenses, if you've broken one law, you gave into one sin, you're guilty of breaking all of it. So you're just as guilty. Yep, one person might have done the big, awful sins, but I'm just as guilty as them because I have sinned once. So there's no looking and saying, your craving is worse than mine. They're all bad. They're all in God's sight. They are bad cravings. And because of that... You are dead, just like these deer in your trespasses and sin. And there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that on your own you can do about that. You cannot change the state of your condition. You are as dead spiritually as these elk are, physically. You're absolutely hopeless, helpless. There's absolutely nothing. And the Bible says that we all fit into this category. Romans 3.23 says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all done something wrong. We've, it started in Genesis. You know, Eve was, Adam and Eve were told, don't eat the fruit from the knowledge of the tree, of, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I hope you're hearing what you're supposed to hear and not what I'm saying. There's a specific fruit they're not supposed to eat. Well, Adam apparently isn't keeping tabs on his wife, and she goes and talks to this serpent who tricks her into, or deceives her into eating this fruit, and she says, hey, Hub, bub, let's, babe, let's try this together. Let's eat this fruit. And at that moment, they sin, and it has never stopped, ever since that point on. And it, does, it starts at birth. You know, um, David says this word, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. From birth, I have this sin nature, this, this thing that's inside of me that says, Mine, I want, I'm going to have. Uh, in psalms 58:3, david also says even from birth the wicked go astray from the womb they are wayward and speak lies you know little kids are cute i i i love little kids i know last week i was i was teasing about having no babies in the house and not having to wake up to screaming in the middle of the night because some little kid's hungry you know but after i'm glad you're here jerry um you probably have heard this but after church last week i i've Probably after most people were gone, I got I got like a, an awesome hug from Claire, who I don't really know, but she came and she just she just wrapped her arms around me, just as if I was her dad. And I'm like, oh, I just love this. This is like the most precious thing to me. It makes me want to have another kid. That's the only thing I don't want to wake up in the middle of the night. But it was that special of a hug that I'm like, man, I just man, this is just it's just the greatest thing. But you know, as cute as uh, Abigail is, as cute as Claire is they they turn up and they, they grow up to be people like me you know not quite as cute but you don't you know all these little kids that are born you don't have to teach them to throw a temper tantrum you don't have to teach them to lie you don't have to teach them to take something that doesn't belong to them and say mine 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 you don't have to teach them it is innate it is part of our human nature to be like this them as well the Bible says we have all sinned Well, the Bible also says the wages of sin is death. Because we sinned, the moment we sin, we're dead spiritually. And there's nothing you can do. It You're just as dead as those elk are physically. You're absolutely helpless. And you are going to die physically because of sin. Now, all your good things that you've done, or all the good things they've done out there, uh, Isaiah says those are like filthy rags. God doesn't want any filthy rags. He doesn't need filthy rags. Romans 3.10 says there's no one righteous, no, not one. There's not one person who can count themselves as righteous in God's eyes. As far as it goes, once you sin, it's too late. It is absolutely too late. You can do absolutely nothing on your own to give yourself salvation, to help yourself out. This is why I pray last week, and I pray before this is, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. I want you to realize and to recognize and think about that's what I deserved, death, hell, eternity from God forever, bad news. I don't want to focus on that. But that's what I was. I was dead in my transgressions and sins. I could do absolutely nothing about it. But I went from death to life. That's a pretty amazing thing to go from that. If you could get an elk that was shot dead, the heart quit beating, the blood's all gone, and say, okay, you're, you walk again. You start running around and hope someone else doesn't shoot you, that would be impressive. Spiritually dead brought to spiritual life. God had so much love for you, and so much love for me, he was willing to do whatever it took in order to give me the hope of eternal life. It was because of his mercy, and because of his grace. His mercy, he wasn't giving me what I deserve. I know exactly what I deserve. I still feel like I deserve hell. Because once I got saved, I didn't stop sinning. I mean, I try a whole lot harder not to, but I am not perfect. I still feel like I deserve to go to hell. But because of God's mercy, he says, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. I'm going to show grace on you instead. And it says that this was something that was kind of immediate, this grace that we get to experience this this salvation. Uh, We saw last week that the Holy Spirit was put as a deposit, a guarantee that I was going to have eternal life. It is not going anywhere. It says in verse 6, God raised us up with Christ and seated us right now with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now I'm physically here on earth, but I'm spiritually already there. I mean, it's almost pretty much like what Paul's saying. I'm, you are spiritually already there with Jesus. It's that certain that you are going to go to heaven. You are going to be with him. It's as if you are already there with Jesus. If you're already there with Jesus, you're not going to lose that and go the other way. So be, be hopeful that you have eternal life that, is going to, that you don't have to worry about losing because God has already placed you in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. And it says in verse 7, that for all eternity, he's going to show us the the amount of grace that he has for us. I'm going to be a living, walking example of God's grace for all eternity. And you're going to be able to look around to heaven and say, you made it too. Man, God's got grace. Man, God loves you. I can't believe he really did let you into heaven, Josh. But he is. And we're going to better understand, you know, when we've been there for 10,000 years, it's gonna be like day number one. We're gonna have no less days to sing God's praise. And more clearly and better, we're going to understand that grace of God that he showed upon us that we did not earn, that we did not deserve for all eternity. It's, it just, it doesn't get any better than that. I went from a dead man to a live man, spiritually dead to a spiritual life. How did all that happen? How is it possible? Ephesians 2, 8, 9. He says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. You know, you notice it doesn't say you have to be baptized to be saved. It doesn't say you have to be in church every time the doors are open. It doesn't say that you have to empty out your wallet into the offering plate and head to Africa. That's not how you get saved. He says it is by grace, by God not giving me what I deserve. He says I'm making it easy for you. I just want you to have faith. I want you to have a trust and a reliance on me, Jesus, for salvation, and I will give you eternal life. Now, how many of you, look, just think about it for a second. If you were God and you looked at all of us rotten people who who have done all sorts of wicked things and and they were all going to get to heaven, how many of you would have made it that easy? to get to heaven. Wouldn't you want to say you've got to fill out this big form and you've got to do X, Y, and Z in order to get to heaven? But God didn't make it that way. He says, I just want you to to be willing to admit that you are a sinner and trust me to save you, to to give you eternal life, and I'll do it. He made it that simple. He says it's just by faith. It's not by works." He says it's actually a gift. You can't earn it, but I will give it to you free of charge. Free of charge to you. It cost Jesus everything. Right? I told you sin had to be paid for. Jesus said, I'm going to pay that price so that you could have a free gift. What do you call that? Amazing. It's grace. It's God's love. It's like, this is the God that we serve. Not a God that's, Forcing us to to follow all these rules and laws to get to heaven in order to be good enough. He says, I'm making it easy because I love you. I know you can't do it on your own. So he says, I'm going to do whatever it takes in order for you to have salvation he says it's by faith he says it's not by works i don't want a bunch of people up there bragging that i went to church enough times i gave away enough money i did whatever i could in my own self to have salvation he says i want you to know that it was by your faith through the grace that i have that you can have eternal life so you were dead in your trespasses and sins some of you were living in a christian home some of you in a not Christian home. Some of you, whether you were your, your parents were church members, or whether it's your first time to ever hear the name of Jesus, at some point you were dead in your trespasses and sins. But you became alive when you put your faith in Jesus. Maybe it was a revival meeting. You went forward like Jerry, you ran down the altar or to the aisle during communion, and said I need Jesus. Maybe it's during an to lesson, or maybe you're like my dad who went home. I'm not telling anybody. I'm going to go home, pray in my closet and say, God, if this is real, I want it. And he was a changed man from that point on, but you were dead and you became alive. That was me. You know, my life isn't hugely different. Yes. I, I was there every time the church was open, which maybe you were too. I I helped in a I, I, uh, I, I was, I grew up in a Christian home. Maybe you say that's, that's me too. But I went from death to life. Now, I'm not, I'm not naive enough to believe that everybody who says they're a Christian is a Christian. I'm not naive enough to believe that uh, everybody go, go, is going to go to heaven that thinks they're going to heaven. It's those who have passed from death to life through faith in Jesus because of the grace that he has that he gave eternal life. Now, I know, I know it's easy to look out at the world and to look and say, man, I don't like the things that they're doing. I wish that they would stop. You know, but the thing is, they are dead in their trespasses and sins. Uh, In verse 2, it says, uh, let me read 1 and 2. It says, You are dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. There are people now who are following the spirit of disobedience, who are gratifying every craving and sinful desire that they have. And I want to say, maybe give them a little grace. Not because you want to condone what they're doing, but how can they do anything good? They, they, don't, have, they don't have the salvation that Jesus offered. They are going to hell. What do you, hey, you can't expect them to do the right thing. You, you, you can get mad that they cut you off, but what do you expect? They're following their craving and desires. They're, they're robbing the bank. What do you expect? They're, they're murdering people. What do you expect? They don't have Jesus. I'm not trying to condone it or, or think less of it. I'm just saying, what did you expect? They don't have Jesus in their life. We were just like them. We pass from death to life. They still need to do that. There's still something missing. They need to experience the the message of Jesus. So what do you you need to do for them? Well, first of all, instead of just getting mad that they cut you off or mad that they ripped you off at the grocery store, mad that they didn't keep their word, pray for them. Pray that God would draw them to himself. They are not going to come because you, you said it just right or you, you were emotional when you said it. They need God to draw them to, themself, to himself. So make sure that you pray for them. Number two is make sure that as you have opportunity, you tell them. They need to know the name of Jesus. They cannot turn to him unless someone preaches the gospel to them. You know our minute to win it games that we did? Uh, we did four weeks of them. Some were really good, some were kind of lame. I mean, I felt like that football kicking one was lame. <laughs> but I loved the jelly bean one. My favorite one was the cup on the head. I was watching an old black and white movie and got this idea. But I thought, yeah, I thought, you know what? We need to make a lesson out of this. In 1 Peter 3.15, it says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that you have. So that's what we did. I said, I gave the kids, all of them, I said, here's a scenario. You have, I gave them two minutes. You know, you're on the airplane and it's going down. You have two minutes to start, to start sharing the gospel with people. Are you prepared to do it? You're sitting there, you, you went hunting with not these, apparently these hunters, but you, you got, someone, one of your buddies got shot. He's bleeding to death. You've got about a minute to share Jesus with them. The one example that I had, nobody was here. I was going to hopefully give it to Tegan. And that was that I invited you up here and said, Hey, I want you to share Jesus with everybody at church. You've got one minute to do it. And nobody, nobody got that one because we had people missing, so I'm going to do it. I've got one minute to try to tell you the gospel, but I wanted to ask you, would you be, would you be able to do that? Would you be able to come up here and share Jesus with for one minute uh, if if somebody's life depended upon it? Now, you're going to probably have more than one minute to do that. And you're going to have a better conversation than what I can whip out in a minute. But the basics of it in a minute is that uh, I'm a sinner. Romans 3.23 says that we have all sinned. We've all done things wrong that we shouldn't do. Because I've sinned, I cannot go to heaven. I am dead in God's eyes. Uh, Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. But God loved me anyway. God demonstrates his love for us. While I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. Jesus went to the cross and took the punishment for my sin. And if I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I will be saved. Throw in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I would say my hope is Jesus. I'm a sinner. Jesus died on the cross to take my punishment so that I could have eternal life because of his grace, because of my faith in him for salvation. That's under a minute. I'm sure if you're trying to keep track of that, that's under a minute. And I'm I'm not here to brag upon myself and say, wow, I did that. Because I'm telling you, it takes it takes lots of time, it takes lots of practice to to be able to do that but it 's something that god 's calling each of us to do, so you see that person out there. they need Jesus, pray that God draws them to him, draws them to himself, but also make sure that as you have opportunity to share Jesus with them we 've all lived x number of years, some of those years are really good. Some of those years are not so good. Some of those moments we're proud of. Some of those moments we are not so proud of. And I know nobody really wants to go back and think about the bad times. And I don't really want you to go back and dwell on them either. But I want you to just think a little bit about them just so you get a little bit better taste of what it was that God brought you from and what it is that God gave you or that God wants you to have. And give God the thanks and the praise that's due Him. And, and remember the amazing grace that he, he gave you when He died on the cross so that you could have eternal life. And let that spur you on to live a life differently. And let that spur you on to share the name of Jesus with those who still need to hear. Let's pray. Father God, I'm, I'm just standing up here right now to say thank you for your amazing grace. God, I, there's nothing that I could do to get to heaven. I thank you, God, that you didn't make me fill out this great big survey, the great big to-do list, that you just made it easy, that if I just admit to you, God, that I'm a sinner, and ask that you would forgive me, and that I would trust you to be my Savior, God, that you would give me eternal life. I'm just so thankful, God, that you made it that easy. God, if somebody in here needs to, to do that, I pray that you would help them to remember those words. And in the quietness of their mind and of their hearts, God, that they would turn to you for salvation. For the rest of us who have, all, who have known you for many years, please just help it to sink in, God, how, how amazing your grace is that you saved a wretch like me. But also remember that there are other people out there who need to hear the name of Jesus as well. Thank you, God, for your amazing grace. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.